chapter 2, verses 25 to 35 is going to be our text for this morning as we, we look through the Gospel of Luke. Hope can be a very powerful thing, very powerful emotion. Uh, it has the power to move us forward or to, to motivate us to move forward. Uh, many of us probably have been through circumstances where life gets very dark. And what keeps us moving forward or progressing or pursuing what is before us is the hope that there is something better ahead. We often talk about it as the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, praying that it's not the train coming the other way. Uh, but we talk about that light at the end of the tunnel, that there is hope, there is something before us that makes it worthwhile to keep going forward. Hope is a very powerful uh, agent in, in our lives. But the reality is that in, in our society and in, in our world, most people's understanding of hope is really pretty lame and pretty empty when it comes to what we understand and hope hope to be. Webster's Dictionary gives us perhaps the, the most common understanding and definition of what hope is, which is to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen. And that's how most people think of hope. It is that desire, it is that want for something to happen. For most, uh, hope really boils down to this. It's basically wishful thinking. So when most people talk about hope, that's really what we think. It's wishful thinking, that there has to be something better ahead. There has to be something to move forward, which is why when that hope, when we lose that idea, when we lose that uh, sense that there is something better ahead, life can get very dark indeed, and the enthusiasm and the motivation to move forward can almost or very often disappear. We use uh, this idea of hope like, you know, I hope you have a good day. And that's kind of how we understand hope. It is a, a, a wishful thinking because that's out of our control, right? I can't make you have a good day. And in many circumstances, you can't make you have a good day. It's just a wishful thinking, a good thought. I hope you have a good day. If you don't, well, you know, what am I going to do? Right? But that's how most understand hope. But true hope is really very, very different. True Bible hope is not wishful thinking. True Bible hope is grounded in facts. It's grounded in truth. And it is that, that, that truth and those facts and the, the reality of that truth that gives us the motivation and what we need to move forward in life. See, true Bible hope the hope that God designed us to have and, and give to us is a hope which is founded in God who cannot lie, who gives us his word and cannot change that. You're in Romans chapter 4, and let me turn over there, or chapter 8, let me read just uh, here for you. There's some great verses here about hope. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, it says, For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. 
Now, why is that true? Why is it that Paul says we can have a hope in something we can't see, that we can have this, this belief and this uh, conviction in something we can't see and persevere to that end? He gives us very much the answer to that in verse 31 of Romans chapter 8, when he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Why is it that we can have true hope in this world? Because it is founded on a God who is for us. Consider even Peter's idea of hope. He describes hope in 1 Peter chapter 3 in his letter there and says it is a living hope that we have. It is a sure hope. It is an eternal hope which is before us. It is a hope which is kept by God and which keeps by God. Here in our text as we come to Luke chapter 2 and we look at this next section, we see the second in the series of three testimonies that Luke uses to verify who Jesus is. So we come to a man named Simeon. And here in this uh, passage on Simeon, we see an illustration of what Paul meant and what he described in hope. When he says to Timothy in in 1 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. We see that illustrated here in Simeon. And what hope is to hope in God. Simeon is a real man with real hope in God. So let's read through our text. We're going to read from verse 25 of Luke chapter 2 through verse 35 and uh, take some thoughts here this morning from these words. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, the, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Our Heavenly Father. We humbly come before you this morning to teach us, to encourage us, to fill our hearts with hope as we look and take to the promises and truth of you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we come, we see Simeon here. As I said, this is the second in Luke's uh, three testimonies. We often think of you know, the testimony of three when we get to the end of Jesus' life and the whole process and the, the kerfuffle that happened around his 
uh, his trial at the end. But Luke is using the same principle that the Jews had, that you needed three testimonies to verify the truth of a person. And so here we had the first, which was uh, Joseph and Mary uh, fulfilling the law. And then in that process where they're at, we meet here Simeon, who is going to do the same to testify of Christ. And then we're going to meet Anna who's going to do the same again to testify of the nature of Jesus as we go through. But here we meet Simeon, and this is what we want to look at here and today and and next week as we go through. Today I want to examine this idea of hope in God and what it means. So I have three points that we're going to look at through here over the next two weeks. Today we're just going to look at one, and we'll look at the next two next week. But when it comes to hope in God, the first thing I want us to understand and see is that hope in God satisfies. Hope in God satisfies. Next week we'll talk about hope in God saves and also that hope in God separates as we look at what Simeon says through these words. But this morning we want to talk about this truth that hope in God satisfies. It satisfies deeply. As I said, hope and what the Bible describes of hope and what true hope is, is not wishful thinking. The Bible describes of hope is a confident expectation, a confident expectation. And this confident expectation, this Bible godly hope is a characteristic of the godly. It is a characteristic of God's people to have hope in God, true, living, eternal, glorious, God kept hope. That said, the world's understanding of hope is weak because they have no foundation for hope. To believe that something better is ahead needs to have a reason for that to be true. And if our hope is simply wishful thinking, we have no reason to believe that something better must be ahead. But when we have God as the foundation of our life, we have a reason to believe something better is ahead. He is our foundation for hope. That great passage in 1 Corinthians, we love 1 Corinthians 13 because it talks about love, right? but it gets to the end and it gives us this great triad, yes? And this remains faith, hope, love. These three. The three greatest motivators in our life, those things are, are it, aren't they? Faith, hope, and love. There, of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is focusing on love, but hope is a powerful force in the life of the believer. And in Simeon, we see why this hope is so strong, so so powerful. Now, as we come to this passage and we look here, it's, it's the, the time when, when Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus in to fulfill the parts of the law which we spoke of last week. And here, as they are, we're brought into contact with a man named Simeon. We know only this about Simeon. Simeon was a very common name at the time, so it, you know, it could have been one of a thousand different men. Some have suggested that, that uh, this Simeon, uh, based on some historical things, was uh, related to the great uh, Rabbi Gamaliel. That seems unlikely. It's probably just a guy, because what we have here in his description is just this. There was a man in Jerusalem. That's it. Doesn't say he was a priest, doesn't say he was a temple servant, doesn't say he had any official capacity, just that he was a man in Jerusalem who just happened, as it were, to be in the temple at this moment. 
But what we do know about Simeon is this. Though he was a most common man from what we see here, what we do know about this is two things. The Bible tells us two very important and clear things about Simeon. Firstly, he was just. It says he is a just man. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just. When the Bible calls a man just, it means that he has been made right with God. That before God, he is righteous, that he is right, he is just and made right in the eyes of God. He is, at this time in Israel's history, one of the few who genuinely believe God. In the company of Zacharias and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary and probably her and their parents. But a small group of people at the time who still truly believed who was still genuinely looking for God and his Messiah to come. He's one of those few. And as we'll see, as we continue looking at what he says and what he does here, without a relationship, without this just, without this right relationship with God, there actually is no hope. Only wishful thinking. Without this being true, Without being able to say that in the eyes of God you are just, you are right, there is no hope. There is only wishful thinking. And we'll see that as we continue through with what uh, Simeon has to say and show us. But it shows us one other thing about Simeon. Not only is he just, but it also tells us that he is devout. A man who was just and devout. Devout is another way of saying that he is sanctified. And sanctified is another way of saying that he sought God. God had set him apart as one of his, and he was pursuing to live by God. His relationship with God, that he is just, is shaping the way he lives. It was shaping the way he lives. He loves God, he seeks God, he serves God, and his desire is to please God. He is a man who is just or right in the eyes of God and living in that way. Now, that order is important. It is important that the order is that he is just and devout. It does not say that he is devout and just. And the order of that is important because we are not made just because we are devout. We are devout because we have been made just. That is, my right living, my seeking to please God in the way I live and the things I do does not make me right with God. So living a devout life, being uh, someone who goes to church, who tries to do the right things, who who, uh, uh, seeks to please God and and, and do all the, the things that seem right, does not make me right with God. But if I have been made right with God, If I am just, then I can properly live devout. I can properly live the life that God has called me to be. When made just, you will be devout. These characteristics, that he is just and devout, move us to the very next statement that he makes. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's a man which shows us the characteristics of the godly, but he shows us 
He is patiently waiting for God. To have hope in God is to patiently wait for God. Here we see hope. To wait here is to express hope in God. To wait on God is to express hope in God. It is to have a confident expectation. That's what to wait here means. To have a confident expectation. Like faith is described in Hebrews chapter 11 and 1, which is connected there with hope. Hope has substance. It has evidence. It is not the empty wishful thinking. It has real substance. To hope in God is to wait for his timing, is to wait for his actions and his work. One pastor said this, he says, he who waits on God loses no time. And it's true. It's not a matter of just sitting back and waiting. It is a hopeful, it is a confident expectation of who God is and what he will do. The Bible speaks a great deal about waiting on God, about this confident expectation of of God. It's often in other places described as as watching. So you've, you've seen, as you've read through Scripture, many of these words, you've seen wait and you've seen hope and you've seen watch and they have all that same idea behind them, the confident expectation of God and God's work. It is an expectant longing. And you can hear that in Simeon's words, that that longing and that expectation he has of what God is going to do. Simeon knows what God has said about the Messiah. He knows what God has said about saving his people, about what is before them, and he is living his life in expectation of that. He is just and devout, and part of that life is to expect, to confidently long for what God has to come. God doesn't disappoint. Clearly, he doesn't disappoint Simeon. I think think it's clear that Simeon knows his Bible well, and I think we see that he knows Isaiah very well. Isaiah 49, 23, it says, For they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. In chapter 8 and verse 17 of Isaiah, it says, And I will wait on the Lord, and I will hope in him. I will hope in him. Simeon is a man who shows us what it is to eagerly anticipate God's comfort. Israel's consolation, comfort, encouragement, strength. Chapter 51, verse 3 of Isaiah. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Or perhaps a more well-known one, and one which uh, I've told you before, often makes me want to sing. Isaiah 40 and verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. This is what Simeon longed for. He waited for. He was expecting. Expecting God to send his Messiah to bring the salvation, to bring the comfort for his people. To hope in God is to look for God's work. To look for his promises and to anticipate their fulfillment. To long for their fulfillment. 
And here is the power of true hope. The strength of true hope. The Psalms, it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Where do we find the strength to continue on? Where do we find the the motivation to move through this world, to continue to pursue the things of God? We wait on God. We expectantly long for him and his work. And in that hope, in that confident expectation, in that longing, he strengthens. And so perhaps it's one of those verses we see on coffee cups and plaques everywhere. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To wait on God, to hope in God, gives strength and courage to be what we need to be. And so what is true for Simeon is true for us. Keep looking. Keep looking, longing, expecting God's promises to be fulfilled in the context here. What was Simeon longing for and looking for? The coming of the Savior. And what is it that God has put before us in this day to long for, to expect, to hope, to confidently desire the coming of the Savior? That he is coming again. The life of God's people has the same hope today as Simeon had then, that God is going to bring salvation in its fullest and complete way. Paul reminds us of this as he writes to, to Titus, and he says, looking for that blessed hope. And what is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the hope that is before us. That is the confident expectation that we have. That is the longing of our hearts that we will see the coming of Jesus. That we will see him. In Simeon's time, the world and his world was tumultuous. They were under Roman rule and they'd come out of years of, of, of rebellions and, and fights and, 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 and wars and, and tumult amongst themselves and, and those around them. They'd had 400 years of, of trouble and, and things where God had not spoken through any prophet or, or any word of God. And they've had this silence. And in that time, they have fallen back into their own ways and they'd abandoned God as a whole and the people with the exception of a few. It was a difficult and, and tumultuous time in which to live. No different than the days in which we live really now in regards to the people. But Simeon's hope wasn't in those that would rise up and revolt against Rome. His hope wasn't in reform. His hope wasn't in kings. His hope wasn't in soldiers or any of those things. His hope was in true comfort. Just as today, our hope is not in military. Our hope is not in our rulers. Our hope is not in in the organizations. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the expectation of what is to come. What are you looking for? 
today? What is it that you are looking for? What is it that is filling your life with hope? Our hope is not that the world will get better. Our hope is not that the world will get easier. Our hope, even so, come, Lord Jesus. That is our hope. That is the confident expectation which is before us. That is the great light at the end of the tunnel. He is coming. Hebrews chapter 9 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He is coming. Like Simeon saw God's comfort in his coming, so we find comfort in waiting for his second coming. This is what Paul told the Thessalonians when he wrote to them, and they were wondering about the circumstances and things in their life, and he tells them about the coming of Christ, and he says to them, comfort one another with these words. Christ is coming. And one day, like Simeon, our hope will become sight. We will see what we have longed for, what we have expected. So we trust his promises. Verse 26 of our text says, and it happened, uh, and it had been revealed to him uh, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him. Simeon trusted God's promises. God is at work. God is doing his work in this world. He is working. He is fulfilling his purpose. Many look at, think that the work of the Holy Spirit began on the day of Pentecost. You know, that before the day of Pentecost, the Spirit didn't really do anything. He came here and there and did things. Until the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and, and became a, the, the one who indwells the, the believer, that he didn't really do much before that. But that can't be true, because what is true after Christ's death is true before Christ's death, and that is, if we are, as people, as, as all people, born in sin, blinded to God, who must have our eyes open to truth, and that is the work of the Spirit now, it was also the work of the Spirit before. Our eyes can only be opened by God to see God. Spirit opened their eyes so that they could see their need for salvation. And at times, the Spirit, we see this through the Old Testament, at times the Spirit would empower or anoint some to a special task. Lead in particular ways. And here, God was using Simeon to testify to the truth of who Jesus is. And in a very unique moment, God moved Simeon to be at the temple at the same time as Joseph and Mary. We talk, or many people talk, about divine appointments. Right? If there was ever a real divine appointment, this is it. This is God moving people to where they need to be at the right time, to meet at the right time. Part of hope, part of hoping in God is knowing with certainty that God is at work to do his will. That is part of what hope is, knowing that God is doing his work right now. 
doing what needs to be done, knowing he is working in and through us. While we see in Simeon that God is at work, we also see that God reveals his plan. Now, God doesn't reveal his whole plan, but he reveals enough of it that we need to know to show us what he is doing and where he is taking us and what that means for us. Now, we don't know how Simeon and Joseph and Mary came together. When Joseph and Mary walked into the temple, there was no halo around Jesus' head. There was no shining glow that made him look any different. They looked like every other Jewish couple bringing their child to the temple that day. This was a work of God to bring these people together to do what needed to be done. I think perhaps part of the reason we don't know how they came together is once they came together, the circumstances of their meeting, that is how they came together, kind of fell into insignificance compared to what happened when they came together. The glory of that meeting. It says of Simeon that God had revealed to him that he would not see death until he saw the Christ. Much have been made of this, but can you imagine what kind of life that could have been? You know that you're not going to die until you see Jesus. I'll have that extra burger, thank you. What about the cholesterol? When I see Jesus, it's all right. I'll walk on that tightrope today. You'll die. Nope, haven't seen Jesus yet. I don't think that uh, Simeon was that frivolous. But nevertheless, he had been promised by God. You won't die until you see Jesus, until you see the Savior. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. That was Simeon's life. He had the word of God. And his trust, his hope was in God's word. That still remains true. Hope is found in God's word. The promises that God has made, what he has revealed to us about who he is and what he is doing. This is where hope is found. It's how God designed us to hope. Hope believes God's word. And two things that, that are true here of Simeon in, in one form are still true today of the work of the Spirit. And that is, firstly, that the Spirit teaches us. It says that the Spirit revealed it to him. That is the teaching work of the Holy Spirit. And he does the same today in his word. He teaches us who God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 reminds us of that. But it also tells us, as it did with Simeon, that the Spirit leads us by using the Word of God, by taking the Word of God and applying it into our hearts and lives and opening our minds to it. Truth, He is leading us to be what we need to be. So my last thought for this morning is that this satisfies our longings satisfies our longings. Verse 28 says, He took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now you all know I'm not creative. I'm not imaginative. I haven't got the slightest bit of creativity in my, in my body. So my imagination just cannot do justice to this scene. Can you imagine what it's like for Simeon? who has waited. Now, we don't know how old he is. 
Some spurious traditions suggest that he is old, but we don't know. So maybe he's old, maybe he's lived a long time, maybe he's young, we just do not know. Nevertheless, he has lived with this expectation that he will not die until he sees the Saviour. And in that moment, he's holding him in his arms. That's an amazing thing. When, when faith, when hope becomes sight. When we finally see what we have longed for. And in that moment, when that hope, when that faith becomes sight, his reaction is firstly to bless God. To bless God. Everything he has lived for has come. The waiting is over. The promises have been proved true. And unlike many, many of the saints before him, he saw the promise. So many before Hebrews 11 tells us hoped but did not see. Simeon got the blessing of seeing his hope. And his response is to bless God. This is the response of a man fully satisfied in God. He is satisfied in God. See, to bless God, when, it says, when the Bible says to bless God, we sing songs about it and we read it in the Psalms and throughout where it says bless God or bless his holy name. To bless God is to praise and exalt God as the source of all blessing. To lift him up, to praise him, to extol him because all blessings of every variety find their source in him. And here, Simeon is with the greatest of all blessings. To bless God is to find him wholly satisfying. To find him as all you need. To be completely and wholly satisfied in God. We see it often in the Bible. Psalm 26 and verse 12, it calls us to bless God in the congregation. That's partly why we sing and what shapes many of the songs that we sing. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 34 says, To bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise be continually on my lips. To hope in God leads to proclaim his goodness. To proclaim his glory as the source of all that is good and great and to know satisfaction in him. To be satisfied by God. I love verse 29, the beginning of verse 29. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Those are the words of a man that is satisfied in God. Now you are letting me depart in peace. To hope in God is to be completely satisfied in him. To know that he is worth more than this world has to offer. To be able, like Simeon, to say, with the hope I have in Christ, I am willing and ready to leave this world behind. We seek satisfaction in so many other things. We seek satisfaction in work, in religion, in success, in thrills, in sex, in relationships, in possessions, in fame, in legacy. 
and they all prove empty, and none of them satisfy. So we keep pursuing and finding ourselves deeper and deeper in debt to all of these things. Simeon longed for God and his promises, and that is what made life worth living. Psalm 143, it says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. We had a long, dry summer. Did you watch the first rains? How quickly it soaked up in the ground? How desperately the ground, the plants wanted that water? This is, this is the description that David is giving us here of what it is to long for God. Like rain on a dry ground, you suck it in, you desperately need it. Paul says it like this, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. There is no downside when Christ is your satisfaction. Colossians chapter 3, set your mind, your affections on things above. Why? Because Christ is is our life, he says in chapter 3, verse 4. Are God and his word enough for you? To hope in God is to be satisfied, to be truly satisfied, which will lead to know the peace of God. Everything is right for Simeon. He believed God, and God proved faithful. Our lives miss peace because we're not satisfied. We miss peace and we struggle with peace because we're not satisfied. In, in Philippians, and let me just read this quickly for you, in Philippians chapter 10 and verse 13, these are familiar verses to many of you perhaps, but it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now your last care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? We we like verse 13. Again, it's another one of those verses that ends up on coffee cups. But what does it mean? Paul is telling us Jesus is enough. He is enough. And it doesn't matter where I'm at, rich or poor, he is enough. And this takes us back to the beginning. That Bible hope is not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation in God based on his character. Why could Simeon leave this world in peace? He could leave this world in peace because he's just. He could leave this world in peace because he was right with God. And the reason for that was in his arms. Jesus. Can you be as confident as Simeon about your death? Are you satisfied? Can you leave this world right now in peace? You can if you know Jesus as your Savior. You can if you have hope in God like Simeon had hope in God. 
Everything I've spoken about this morning may seem foreign to you. Maybe you you don't have confidence about the future. Maybe satisfaction and peace seem unobtainable in your life. Maybe this life does seem enough for you. Maybe you think there is enough here and I am enjoying this life, but you don't know what to expect after. I want to help you know what it is to have hope in God. To have a longing expectation for truth and glory. To be truly satisfied in this life and the life to come. Believer, hope in God. Hope in God. He truly is all you need. Stop distracting ourselves with things that are never going to satisfy. And find our satisfaction in him. Simeon was confident, says, according to God's word. Are you feasting on his promises? Are you taking in God's word to fuel your hope, to build your hope? Because it's there that you will find hope. And it's there that you will find satisfaction. His word will fill your heart to bless his name. So wait, I say. Wait on the Lord. Live in anticipation of his coming. Long for it. Look for it. And it will bring you rejoicing. Let me close with these words from Romans 5. Through whom also, that is Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that we don't have to live this life with wishful thinking, with an empty desire or empty thought that there must be something better before us. Thank you that we can live this life knowing there is something better before us. Longing and expecting and desiring the coming of our Savior to fulfill all you have promised. Fill our hearts with strength Lord, lead us to find our satisfaction in you and to rejoice in our hope. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You'll stand with me as we sing a song of response uh, here. We're going to sing a song on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Because my hope is built in nothing less. And let's stand as we uh, respond to God's word in this manner.